Hello, and welcome to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through Chinese TV dramas. Today, we are discussing episode 11 of Ho Gong Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. If you're just joining this podcast and do not have much of a background on Qing Dynasty history, we recommend you check out our intro episodes first to get an understanding of what our podcast is about and the setting so that you can get oriented correctly. Now on to our episode. Jin Huan, our main character, and her friends and allies have dispatched Yu Ying'er, but Jin Huan has assessed that it's impossible for Yu Ying'er to be the mastermind behind all of this. This is an exciting episode with Jin Huan having a bit of fun terrorizing the other concubines in Hou Gong. If you couldn't tell from the title, we're going to be talking about ghosts and Chinese superstition in this episode. And now for the recap. News of Yu Yinger's gruesome death has reached our main antagonist, Hua Fei. Hua Fei is luxuriously eating some watermelon and enjoying the breeze of ice cubes, which is surely a rarity, especially in that day and age, in her palace. But she is confident that no one will talk about what happened or rot her out, because obviously she is the mastermind behind all of this. Chen Huan has other ideas. She wants to root out the mastermind because she surmised that Yu Yinger, who is a lowly palace maid or was a lowly palace maid, cannot have done this alone. How did she get the poison? How did she get this idea? This idea was very elaborate and requires a lot of setup, so someone must have helped her. Jen Huan discusses this thought with her head maid, Jin Xi, and it's interesting that Jin Huan is discussing with Jin Xi and not her other maids from home, Huan Bi and Liu Zhu. Jin Xi has been in the palace for several years, and she obviously has picked up a few tricks. She is what I would say is one of the quote-unquote elders of the palace, even though she's not that old, and sees things very clearly as to what matters and what doesn't matter in the palace. And I thought about this. If you are a concubine assembling a team of servants, a person like Jin Xi is invaluable. In planning how to root out the mastermind, Jin Huan and Jin Xi decide to make a little show. This is the scary but funny part. The first victim is Fu Cha Guiren, another noble lady in the imperial harem. She's been featured here and there, but hasn't been mentioned much. It's nighttime and she is headed home with her servants when suddenly a white figure with long black hair covering the face just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> Pretty scary. Well, all of her servants flee, screaming their heads off, and she's left by herself. The problem is she was on a chair being carried by her servants and all of her servants literally just dropped her and ran away. One of her maids is so scared she passes out. Fu Cha Guiren is turning around frantically hoping somebody would help her out, but no one is around. So what does she do? I mean, what can she do? Faint, which she promptly does. The figure reveals himself to be Xiao Yunzi, Jin Huan's head eunuch, so no actual ghost. Well, when Fu Cha Guiren wakes up back at her palace, she is surrounded by other concubines, including An Lingrong, Jin Huan's friend. The ladies arrive to the conclusion that the ghost must be the wandering soul of a wrongly accused woman who's here to seek revenge. And the only woman that sort of fits that bill is none other than Yu Ying'er, 
everyone in Hougong is a bit jumpy because of all of these rumors and sightings of this ghost. Which I must say, geez, Xiaoyunzi, you get around. Huafei doesn't believe in all, any of this baloney, but it looks like her crony, Li Pin, does. Li Pin is very clearly worried. It doesn't help that Shen Meizhuang and all of the other concubines are pushing this narrative that Yu Yinger is here to seek revenge and saying that this ghost is only going to hurt the person that made her do all of these nasty things, thus taking this away from Chen Huan and pushing the scariness onto the so-called mastermind behind the operation. And basically being like, well, Yu Yinger was just a pawn in the whole scheme. And so, of course... Li Pin is very, very scared. All of these rumors have gotten so bad that Huafei has even had to speak to Huang He about it and ask for an exorcism to rid the palace of bad spirits. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Well, one night, after what seems like a few days, all of the ladies are at Huang He's palace for a court greeting for a Qing'an. This includes Zhen Huan, Huafei, Li Pin, Shen Meizhuang, An Lingrong, and all of the other key players. They chat briefly at Huang He's palace before heading out. Well, the ladies are dispersing and heading back to their respective palaces, but they continue to discuss the ghost. The younger concubines, such as Zhen Huan and Fu Cha Guiren, continue to discuss how scary the situation is basically trying to make everything seem as haunted and as scary as possible. Huafei is having none of it and leaves with Li Pin. In the following scenes, we see the figure of a ghost floating around and scaring the living daylights out of poor Li Pin. We'll discuss this in more detail, but ultimately, Li Pin goes crazy from the fright. She starts spilling all the beans as she's trying to get the ghost to leave her alone. The Empress, or Huang Hou, arrives to take Li Pin away for questioning. Huafei, it looks like, is down a main ally. While back at Jin Huan's pavilion, the three friends, Jin Huan, Shen Meizhuang, and An Lingrong, are celebrating their success, as it is evident they planned this whole thing from the start. But let's listen to what An Lingrong says. She actually makes a few snarky jabs at Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang, because of the conversation she overheard, she says stuff like, hopefully I wasn't too cruel. This is all done for you ladies. And for this like jab, Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang don't actually know how to respond. In the next scene, we see Huafei incredibly angry at her palace and is discussing next steps with her remaining ally, Cao Guiren, who is another noble lady who actually has a young daughter. Cao Guiren is much smarter than the other ally, Li Pin, who is now insane from fright, and is able to explain to Huafei that this whole thing with the ghost must have been a prank, but is able to calm Huafei down by pointing out that Li Pin is now a madwoman. How can you take the words of a madwoman seriously? And unfortunately, the term that people use is Li Pin is now feng le. Feng means is insane. Well, Huafei's next move is then to inform Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager, so the Emperor's mother, of what happened the night previously, and that Li Pin is very ill. Much to the surprise of all of the concubines, 
太后 comes to Huang Hou's palace during the next day's court greeting, escorted by a smirking Hua Fei, to explain that she, the Empress Dowager or Tai Hou, will now take custody of Li Pin and question her. The only person smirking now is Hua Fei. Tai Hou quells the situation and discusses it with Huang Hou. Li Pin has now gone completely insane and is being moved permanently by orders of Tai Hou, the Empress Dowager, to the Cold Palace or Long Gong, which we discussed in the last episode. It's where unwanted concubines are sent. Everyone knows that Hua Fei was a mastermind behind everything because it's clear that Li Pin and Hua Fei are allies. But Tai Ho decides not to pursue this and punish Hua Fei, much to Wang Ho's disappointment. In the end, though, while Hua Fei hasn't been punished severely, she is down an ally which must hurt. To add insult to injury, Huang Shang, the emperor, has decided to strip Hua Fei of her authority to assist Huang Ho in managing the imperial harem. Obviously, Hua Fei is furious. Well, we're not done yet with the episode. It's late at night, and we see Huan Bi, Chen Huan's maid, but also her half-sister, burning paper money in a secluded corner of the gardens. Well, it's not that secluded, and uh, who finds her? Cao Guiren, who just happens remember to be Hua Fei's ally. It's forbidden to burn paper money in the palace because it's bad luck. And um, we'll discuss this later, but you only burn paper money for dead people. Huan Bi explains that it's her mother's death anniversary and wanted to send some money to her in the afterlife. We'll discuss this a little bit further, but this is strictly against the rules. Cao Guiren will not give up the opportunity to use this as leverage against Jin Huan. And it's very clear right now that Cao Guiren is the brains of the operation for Hua Fei, not Li Pin, and we are now seeing that exhibited. There's a brief scene where Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang are enjoying a nice time with Huang Hou and Huang Shang. They're going over accounting books, and Shen Meizhuang is able to showcase her management skills. Hua Fei is outside and wants to speak to the emperor, but is refused at the door. She walks back to her palace in a huff and starts plotting with Cao Guiren again as to what she needs to do next to regain the favor of the emperor. We also see that she's not very nice to Talgren at all. Well, that's it for episode 11. It is a really fun episode and a breeze to get through, but there's so much interesting stuff to discuss. All this mention of ghosts and exorcism and burning paper money to go over. Plus, there are some very interesting themes and character studies that we need to do as well. So let's get started with the analysis. In this episode, again, we see that the Empress Dowager Tai Ho and Huang Shang keeping Hua Fei happy and not punishing her. All of the ladies in Ho Gong are disappointed when Tai Ho steps in to question Li Pin. But in the language that she uses to appease Huang Ho, she is saying things like, unfortunately, Huang Shang likes Nian Geng Yao, which, if you recall, is Hua Fei's brother. And you will need to remember that Nian Geng Yao is a very decorated and very capable general. It is clear that Tai Ho stepped in this time in the squabbles 
of Hou Gong to make sure nothing happened to Hua Fei. Li Ping, though she wasn't the main culprit, is sufficient to take the fall for plotting against Zhen Huan and for using Yu Yinger to try to poison Zhen Huan. Tai Hou and Huang Shang, so the Empress Dowager and the Emperor, see the big picture while Huang Hou is still in the dark. However, the additional punishment of stripping Hua Fei of her Xieli Liu Gong Zhiquan, which means her power to help manage the imperial harem, thereby giving her second-in-command in Hou Gong, is definitely a slap in the face to her and a warning that she needs to watch herself. Something else that I want to discuss is in the scene where Li Ping is going insane with fright from seeing the ghost, is that it is very clear that Jin Huan was in on the operation. She told her servants to go grab Huang Ko immediately the moment she started hearing Li Ping scream. And also, Hua Fei this entire time was trying to tell Li Ping to stop talking, to shut up. Because she knows that if Li Ping is too scared, she will spill the beans and destroy not only Li Ping, but Hua Fei herself. And there was a huge power struggle between Huang Hou and Hua Fei as to who would take custody or take over um, questioning of Li Pin. Hua Fei did not want Li Pin to go uh, fall into the hands of Huang Hou whatsoever. However, Chen Huan was able to step in very um, smartly and say, you know, we respect Huang Hou and we think that any decision she makes with regards to the ghost situation in the imperial harem in Hou Gong is accurate. And that is how basically Hua Fei loses this battle. Li Pin is taken away and questioned. What is really interesting, I must add, is that Huang Hou and Tai Hou both definitely knew that this whole ghost situation was fake. They did not try to press matters any further. They were not like, oh, you know, where is this ghost? We need to do more exorcisms. We need to do more things to like protect Hogo. I, Kathy, you, you probably agree, right? It was very clear that these two ladies knew that someone was plotting against, uh, Li Pin and Hua Fei, right? Yeah. Um, the Empress Dowager has definitely seen enough in her time to not be phased by this hocus pocus, let's say. Right. So I just think that that whole this whole situation is you see where, I guess, the, the bosses of Hou Gong are and how someone like Li Pin is what I would call a level two opponent. Yep. Yep. Now, um, thank you for that, Karen. Now, let's get into some Chinese religion and superstition, since this episode revolves around ghosts and uh, vengeful spirits. Well, historically, the Chinese aren't religious in the same sense as Western cultures. Different religions flourished in China, and the popularity of certain religions ebbed and flowed with the different dynasties. Just to keep in mind, the emperor's power always reigned supreme, and no religion or religious entity could usurp that power. He, the emperor, derives this power from the mandate of heaven, and he is the chosen one. During Yongzheng's reign, which is um, our emperor's time, Buddhism and Taoism were still the main religions in the entire empire, but there was a significant Muslim population and a growing Christian population. 
And this doesn't even include the local beliefs and traditions in all parts of China. So we'll also see a lot of the Manchu gods and Mongolian gods incorporated um, throughout the, the, the series as well. I think what's also very important here, and Kathy, as Kathy rightly pointed out, is that there are Manchu traditions here, but Buddhism and Taoism, especially Taoism, is has been rooted part of, in part of Han culture for a really, really long time. So all of these uh, religions and cultures and beliefs and traditions are merging as part of the Qing dynasty with a Manchu rule. But it doesn't mean that Buddhism and Taoism, which are have been prevalent in China for many centuries, are going away, even in the Qing dynasty. Now let's talk about ghosts. Well, the Chinese believe in the afterlife, and there are different types of ghosts and spirits, and your spirit uh, could still be connected to the human world after death, depending on the circumstances of death. In this episode, a white figure with long hair and a white face is haunting the ladies or concubines of Hougong. This type of ghost is called a yuanhuan, or a ghost who's been wrongly put to death or murdered, so basically a vengeful spirit. Because the person did not die peacefully, he or she cannot be reincarnated into the next life. The vengeful spirit stays in the human world to seek out the person that wrongly murdered that person, or find a kind-hearted person to acquit his or her crime, or a- accusation. In Chinese culture, um, there is yin and yang. Um, basically, if you think like light and dark, and yang, yang, is light, and yin is dark. Women represent yin, and as such, um, kind of the superstition is that they're more resolute and more spurnful and more likely to turn into this vengeful spirit. And that is why in Chinese culture, most yuanhuan are women. I think it speaks to the fact that women have low status in society, um, I guess. And I guess they're just wrongly murdered all the time. So maybe that's why they're like, oh, wow, um, maybe this woman who was wrongly murdered is coming um, to avenge her death. That's just me. And for me, I think men are just like, well, I've been murdered. It's OK. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've thought about it I in Chinese history or like dramas and stories i haven't really heard of a um like yuan huin who is like male other than yeah like if like in batches like a family was murdered or something like that yeah you know? no it's it's usually women it's usually it's usually a woman who's sobbing and a lot of the times also why it's like really gross is because for some reason people who die or commit suicide death by hanging are like wearing white a lot and then they have like when you die you have very your tongue sticks out and your hair is like all in front of your face which is why this yuan quinn is uh you know is very scary and people think it's a woman even though as we see in this drama it's just a eunuch putting his hair in front of his face well it it does make sense because yu yinger was strangled to death so that could also be it that is true Okay, back back to um, vengeful spirits and yuanhuan. The rumor is that if the vengeful spirit or yuanhuan finds the person that killed her, the spirit will suck the life out of the person and cause his or her death. The phrase is yuanhuan chanshen, which literally means attached by a spirit. These are considered evil spirits because of their supernatural abilities, um, and and it's 
not great to obviously be um, the the target of a of a yuanhuan. So how it works is the yin of the ghost or the the darkness of the ghost will drain you of your yang, which is like your human health, and cause your death. In reality, it could be that the person is just wrecked up with guilt and um, so much guilt from what they've done that they attribute all the negative things to the ghost. And this is what basically happens with Li Ping. She's basically fine. She's might be feeling a little bit of guilt, but then with everybody kind of saying, oh my God, she's here trying to find who killed her to avenge her death. Um, she freaks out. She believes in this and is paranoid that Yu Yinger's ghost has come back to find her. No one is clean in Hogong and many are paranoid as in most people probably have killed someone. Let's think about it. Jin Huan, Shen Zhuang, and An Lingrong basically just killed somebody. Um, so that's why I find Fu Cha Guirin's response so funny because she's like, I didn't kill anybody. Why are you coming after me? But obviously with the prodding of An Lingrong, all of them jump to the conclusion that, oh, um, someone is out to avenge their death, her death. Now you have an evil spirit floating around. What do you do? Uh, let's talk about how you combat these evil spirits. Well, the first thing to do is pray. We see Huang Hou and Hua Fei in one scene praying to two figures, one in green and one in red. These are Mongolian gods called Ka Tun Nuo Yin. We'll see these two in other scenes um, for more formal rites and rituals. But as you can see, uh, the, the incense that they use, that is actually more traditional Chinese um, and not Mongolian. Now, if praying doesn't work, then you get monks or uh, spiritual people to perform the equivalent of an exorcism. Each type of ghost requires different rituals, so they will, they will come prepared for whatever ghost or spirit you're trying to get rid of. Um, and then also, uh, since we're in the Qing dynasty, there are uh, big influences in from the rest of the empire. So the royal family or the palace might bring Taoist priests, monks, Buddhist monks, or even um, Tibetan monks as well to perform these rituals. Now, I want to discuss the burning of paper money. Huan Bi, Jin Huan's half-sister, is getting in trouble for burning paper money. Why? What is it? And why is she doing it? Well, this practice is something the Chinese have done for centuries and one that people still do today. Um, we went and burned paper money for our dead loved ones in, in China. Living people burn paper money to provide currency for people in the afterlife. The money or currency that we're burning isn't real and is instead like a specialized paper I think the Wikipedia term is Joss paper that is meant to be burned. And it's like a special paper for burning. But it's represented, um, basically it means money for the dead to use. The wealthier you are, the more paper money you can buy and subsequently burn for your loved ones to use in the afterlife. Because Chinese people believe very strongly in an afterlife, which is almost like an equivalent of hell in the Western culture, but not quite. 
People still burn the stuff for their deceased loved ones even today in East Asia. And generally, you burn this money in front of their grave or else tomb or shrine. And you can burn money for your dead, uh, your deceased loved ones at any time. But people generally do this during the death day commemoration, as Huan Bi is doing in the scene for her dead mother. Or else in China during Qingmingjie, which um, is also called the tomb sweeping day. This Qimingjie, or Tomb Sweeping Day, is a national holiday in China and gives an opportunity for people to pay respects to their ancestors and ultimately sweep their tombs. Part of this paying respects piece is burning paper money for them. So why is this taboo in the palace? Well, because it is remembering a dead person and you don't want this type of negativity or yin qi, this like yin air or yin aura um, in the palace and even any mention of the dead. This palace needs to be regal despite how um, cold or brutal we know it is. And so it is very, very taboo to be burning paper money on occasions that are not for like actual holidays. And if you're not burning paper money for like the imperial family, ultimately people are worried that you're bringing bad omens if you start commemorating other dead people. So as you see, Chinese culture is deeply superstitious. Even now, there's still some of that. Well, enough of ghosts and spirits. Let's talk about um, something nice, right? Uh, let's talk about one prominent feature in Huafei's palace, and that is ice. There are two scenes in Huafei's palace where ice is prominently featured. And there are records of buying and selling ice all the way back to the Tang Dynasty some 1,400 years ago. The main clientele for ice was, of course, the rich and powerful. Ice vaults were built underground some 4 to 5 meters deep, so probably like 16 feet. Straw would be placed on the ground, and depending on where you are, ice would then be transported from the north to these vaults during the winter, obviously. Ice was mainly cut from frozen lakes, and it was important to have thick blocks of ice so that they wouldn't melt as easily. They then are lowered into the vault and sealed with dirt and more straw. When summer came, um, people would open the vault for consumption of the ice. Now, each vault could only be opened once, so people pre-ordered their ice and came to pick it up once the vault was open. In the palace, there were special lead and tin containers that could keep the ice frozen for a long period of time. So you can see in this situation, um, in the two scenes in uh, this episode, there are pretty large buckets of ice for Huafei. And so far, we have not seen anybody else in the palace shown with the ice. And this, again, speaks to how powerful Huafei's family is and just how rich she is. She can just have ice. Chen Huan does not have it. Shin Meizhuang doesn't even have it. And she just kind of has ice laying about every, everywhere. You see in some of the other scenes that the servants are fanning their masters. Um, they don't have the luxury of ice. But I also want to point out that that's why we really like this drama, because most dramas don't have, wouldn't include this feature. They never talk about ice. They never mention it. Um, but it is something that is kind of in the background and it are in certain scenes. So you kind of you get to see just how uh, wealthy Huafei is from placements of these types of um, items. 
So the last thing I want to discuss is actually Lee Pin. We never really went in depth on this character, and this is unfortunately the second to last time she shows up because she is now insane and ultimately a mad woman. She is a Fungsa now because of how scared she is um, of this ghost. So I want to go and talk about her in a little bit more detail. This character isn't very big. She survived, what, this is episode 11. But still, there's some interesting insights. First off, I remember when this drama first came out, people were very critical of the actress who played Lee Pin because the word Lee means beautiful. Like, when you say um, Liang Li or, you know, Mei Li, those are all words to say beautiful and Mei Li especially. So... To be termed, to be gifted the title of Li, you must be insanely gorgeous. And apparently in the book uh, that Jin Huan Zhuan is based off of, and we haven't read the book, she is supposed to be one of the most beautiful women in the palace, such that uh, the emperor wanted to spend nights and nights and nights with, with this Li Pin. Having, like I said, having been appointed the title of Li, she must be an absolute beauty. But in this show, the fans were like, eh, the actress is all right. And the fans were very critical of her hair decorations. For most of the episodes that Lee Pin is featured in, she has this big old orange chrysanthemum flower as the main decoration on her headdress. And it really isn't the most flattering. So I just, I just thought that was really funny. Like, Lee Pin, I'm sorry. You know, you played your part, but people just didn't think you were Mei Li or pretty enough for this for this role. Ugh. Chinese people can be very critical of uh, actresses in, in shows. And unfortunately, Li Pin is also not the smartest person on Team Huafei. That title falls to Cao Guiren, and she is someone who is very fascinating, which we will uh, discuss more in the future. Li Pin was an easy opponent to dispatch because... An Lingrong, Shen Meizhong, and Zhen Huan were able to find out and pick up on the fact that Li Pin is scared of ghosts. But the fact that Li Pin is now uh, has gone insane is unfortunately a fate that is actually quite common in Hougong, and she's now discarded very easily, I must add. So now Zhen Huan and company have removed two opponents. And uh, Huafei is down to only one person working for her. And that person is Cao Guiren. That's all I really had to say about Li Pin. Kathy, did you have anything else? No, I, I also agree. She's like the level two opponent of um, our RPG or role-playing game. And you just have to level up. I feel like the ladies have leveled up um, with actually scheming to think of this idea. But... Um, they have not yet met the true masterminds. Um, this is just some easy, easy foes to dispatch. We've already shown that uh, Huang Sheng and Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager and Emperor, like know what they're doing. And, you know, they, they look down on the little, these little schemes that uh, involve ghost stories. Well, that's it for this episode. It looks like Huafei has lost some favor, but she's busy plotting with Cao Guiren to find um, a solution. Jin Huan needs to watch out because Cao Guiren now has leverage over her because of Huan Bi. 
And we'll see how the emperor feels um, with all of this stuff in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed discussing it. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to having you with us in the next episode.